When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hoopball Podcast listeners, are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing Team Hoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing Team Hoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. What's up, everybody? I'm Najee Adams. And I'm Hunter Jacobs. And you're listening to the Hoopball Nets Podcast. It's been quite a while. (laughs) It's been quite a while, but we are officially back. It feels good to be behind the microphone yet again. Um, Honestly, it seems like it wasn't meant for us to record. Life didn't want us to record. Um, the amount of things that have gone on in our lives in between the last time you heard us and now. Uh, the biggest thing being for me, I now have a full-time job. So that that really uh, threw a wrench into things. Uh, I work for CBS Sports Operations Coordinator. Work every single day, including the weekend sometimes. So balancing this and that and finding a schedule for everything was pretty difficult still don't have it completely under control but you know we're here now um for hunter he's been doing a lot as well he's gotten back into his work because you know new york is starting to slowly open back up so we've lost the amount of time that we used to have during quarantine um and so, yeah, that is, that's really what, what happened with us, but we're back. We're going to, I know we say this every time, but we're going to try and be consistent, try and get a legit schedule now that me and Hunter know where we're going to be and what we're going to be doing for the next however long with our jobs. Um, So yeah, welcome back to the Hoopball Nets podcast. Make sure you like, comment, shit, what is this, a YouTube video? Make sure you subscribe to the Hoopball Nets podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere that you listen to your podcast, make sure you subscribe. Please leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes because all reviews will get read on the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at HoopBallNets. Shout out to whoever did the uh, the new rebrand for the Hoopball Nets and every Hoopball like, logo on Twitter. It looks amazing. So if you guys haven't seen that, go check it out. 
Um, you can follow us on Twitter, like I said, at HoopBallNets. And, uh, yeah, shout out to Manscaped. Uh, if you don't know about Manscaped, you have to be living under a rock because they are literally the leaders when it comes to men's below-the-belt grooming. And uh, you can go on their website. Spoiler alert, I actually bought hunter this is not a lie i act as i didn't tell you but i actually bought the perfect package 3.0 the manscaped trimmer like the package and everything and uh it was supposed to get here this week but ups <laughs> delivered it to the wrong place so now i have to wait three weeks to get it so i can't even give you my personal testimony but i can tell you that the perfect package 3.0 is designed to make grooming below the waist easy. You can confidently trim below the waist with the lawnmower 3.0 waterproof trimmer featuring advanced skin safe technology. Uh, you can enjoy ceramic blades cutting coarse hair at 7,000 RPM. Get the crop preserver, anti-chafing ball deodorant, crop reviver. You get, you even get like this free little carry-on bag called the Shed. And uh, you can purchase the Perfect Package 3.0 from Manscaped.com. Uh, but it is $90 right now. It actually is already on sale because it's the value of like $160. But it's $90 right now. But if you use code HOOPBALL20... You can actually get 20% off and free shipping. So you can bring it from 90 down to like 75 or something like that. I'm not great at math, but it's a discount regardless. You want to you wanna hear something funny? What? I also bought it. Did you really? <laughs> yes. Did you get it? No, it's on the way. <laughs> this is a revelation. Neither one of us told the other that we bought it, but there you go. We both purchased the Manscaped. Uh, three point lawnmower 3.0 perfect package 3.0 using code hoopball20 so if you want to be like us and everyone else it has 4,615 reviews so uh it's pretty good i would say and they're all five stars from what i'm looking at so go ahead purchase the perfect package 3.0 manscape.com hoopball20 20 off and free shipping boom so a lot has happened with the nets we got bounced from like we really haven't recorded since the nets lost in the playoffs which is has been at least like a month and a half ago. But yes, we got swept. Didn't we get swept to the Raptors? We lost to the Raptors. And uh in four, the Raptors then went on to lose to the Celtics in seven. And uh yeah, now they are facing now and now the Celtics are facing the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um about that series, we're just going to go over it really quick. Not even really go over it. Just give our thoughts. Like, we lost. We didn't think we were going to win. Like, I said, Net, I'm Raptors in five, but they didn't pull that one out. But, you know, the the, the, the Raptors were supposed to beat us. They're the defending champions. We were without um, our top five players. So, I mean, yeah, our entire starting lineup basically was out other than Karis LeVert. So, congrats to the Raptors. We'll be back next year. Boom, but the most important news that has really come about since, uh, and recently at least, is the Nets' new coach. It was kind of out of nowhere. Like, I thought they uh, were going to... I will say this is one of the the first times ever that, like, his name didn't even come up at all until he got the job. Like, they did a great job of keeping it low key so they can decide without the influence of the media. Yeah, they, they definitely did. And, and it was, it was a, like you said, it was a low key signing 
nobody really expected it. Like, I'm sure people thought in the back of their minds, uh, you know, they might sign a former player. People were thinking, like, Jason Kidd is going to be that player. But no, they went out. They, they st- went and signed a similar point guard in, of his time, Steve Nash. Steven who Nash. is great friends with KD also. And and so let's let's get into it. Um I personally feel like I said this on the last podcast. I feel like they did Jacques Vaughn dirty. He did literally everything he could possibly do. There was nothing more that he could have done with what he was given in the playoffs. I think he showed that he can be a good leader for this team, but I guess not enough to K for KD and Kyrie to really give them give him their stamp of approval. I so, I do believe he will get a job somewhere. I mean, he he took the he, he's he's back to being the the lead assistant coach. I mean, yeah, he, I I figured he wouldn't get another head coaching job, but I I do think he deserves one, and I hope he gets that chance again. That's got to be tough for him to you know be at the helm of a playoff team like the Nets and wa- be wanting to lead them into that next era, which is probably going to be the best, maybe the best era in franchise history. And to just end up getting your job ripped from under you, they probably asked him, like, he probably chose to stay on as an assistant coach and live and, and be able to to reap some of the benefits if the Nets do win the chip next season, which I have been on the record saying I think they will. Um, so, yeah, Steve Nash. Steve Nash, the new Nets head coach. What do you think about the signing, Hunter? Um, I mean, it's tough to say whether or not it's the right call because he's literally never had any head coaching experience but I mean point guards are typically known to be better coaches example Steve Kerr Doc Rivers Mark Jackson Jason Kidd like that and Steve Nash does have a very high basketball IQ I just hope that it's not one of the things where because he's friends with KD it's oh you want this to happen okay oh you want this to happen okay you got it and I hope it's not a signing that he he lets them push him over and it's whatever they want to do all the time. Because that's, that's what happened with Ty Lue. And yes, he's still a renowned head coach and will get a job somewhere else. But that's a lot of the issues that people have with Tyron Lue that he just lets the players decide what they want to do. How many times did LeBron basically take the, the clipboard from him and decide what they were going to do? Yeah, that that that's what I'm worried about. I I feel like there needs to, like it's a good signing. I feel like because one on name value alone, you're gonna draw hype and like uh not not maybe not hype, but just like interest in 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 the team itself. But I feel like there needs to be some sort of structure and some sort of hierarchy where you know like Steve Nash and KD are good friends, and that relationship can very easily be damaged when you go from being peers and equals to now you have to listen to this person. This person is not your superior, but he's supposed to be leading you and taking charge and telling you what to do in some aspect of your job, which you're already very good at. So in a, it's very different from when you guys are just friends and you guys are just joking around. And like Steve Nash was with the Warriors as like some sort of like player de- developmental coach back when KD was there. So, you know, in, in some way, shape or form, he's been in a coaching role and like coaching had a coaching to play a relationship with KD, but it's a whole different realm when you're now their head coach. When it comes to like 
X's and O's and a coaching mindset, drawing up offensive plays. We've never we have nothing to draw from. Like we've never seen Steve Nash drop an inbounds play. So so we don't know what type of offense he's gonna run, whether he's gonna run a like run and gun, super high pace type of offense, whether he wants to slow it down, whether he wants to run super small ball like the Rockets, because the Nets are capable of playing that type of basketball, but they're also capable of playing like a super big lineup with DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen, Kevin Durant, uh, uh, Karis LeVert, like they're capable of doing stuff like that. Jana Musa, Rodion's Kuruks, Joe Harris, like they're capable of going big or small and matching up and adapting to any style that's necessary. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of offense Steve Nash brings to the table. Um, defense as well like we don't know what type of scheme Steve Nash runs like usually when you sign head coaches you can say oh you know he's a defensive minded coach oh he's an offensive minded coach like with Frank Vogel you know he's a defensive minded coach Mike D'Antoni you know he's an offensive minded coach but with Steve Nash we really don't know what we're getting we're just going off like pedigree alone like yeah he's going to be a future Hall of Famer I mean if, if I had to if I had to guess I would say he's more of the offensive minded coach because he just saw the floor better on that side. But we don't know until we see. Yeah, that that's going to be one of the things I'm looking out for the most. Like, does he does he need does he like rely on a lot of screens does he want his players to play more so isolation ball like what type of offense is Steve Nash going to be running and like in his um, in his press conference like his introductory press conference. He was like asked, you know, what what qualifies you for the job? And he was basically saying, like, I've been the head of a team on the floor. Like, I've thought uh, I've adapted to different types of situations. I'm able to think on the fly. I was the leader of a, a championship team. I managed, like he said, he managed personality, skill sets, like stuff like that. Is, is what you get from a player, especially one the caliber of Steve Nash that you won't get from just a, someone that's never played the game and coached their entire life. But I, I just think the dynamic is going to be interesting to see, you know, was he just bought in because he's cool with KD and Kyrie or did Nets management and the Nets front office actually see something in him that will make him a championship caliber coach? And obviously, oh, my pen just fell. Obviously, you don't need to do much coaching maybe when you have KD and Kyrie, and that might have gone into the decision to hire Steve Nash. But regardless... I think, honestly, in the back of their head, they could be... They could be... They could have got Steve Nash so that their current young players can be ready to take over upon the departure of Kyrie and KD. Yes, you have to think about now, but if there's not much they think goes into coaching being that Kyrie and KD will be on the floor, then that could be their focus on maybe him turning Lavert into a star and banking on that. He'll be a player development master. And that, that that's what Steven Nash is probably signed for to be a player's coach. Like that's really probably the only thing we know about him, that he probably will be a player's coach. And like, even at his press conference, he said that Kyrie is one of his favorite players of all time. Like, that's big credit. Like, that's big props to give uh, someone that one of your players. So, as you can tell, like, they obviously have a relationship that extends outside of basketball. 
And so it'll be interesting to see how that that relationship morphs and turns into a coach and player relationship while also obviously trying to keep their friendship intact. Um, Now, when I think about like the type of offense he wants to run, he already said that Kevin Durant can play all five positions and I plan to use him in all five positions. Now, for for obviously, I agree. KD can both play and defend the one through five. But fresh off of an injury, not fresh off, like he's going to be two years removed almost, but the last time he was on the court, he got injured. He's probably not going to be 100%, not, not, he'll be 100% healthy, but not, he's not going to be in rhythm when he comes back. It's going to take him a while to get his feet under him. Is that something you want to do putting your star player out against guys like Joel Embiid, out against guys like even Giannis, like Giannis is a physical player. Can KD, does KD want to take on that challenge already? So personally, I think on a on a matchup to matchup basis, it's going to be challenging. But I, I don't think he's going to use him at the five when they're playing Joel Embiid. I think it's he's saying he's willing to use him at the five. Let's say like how the, the Celtics have been running out the lineup they've been running with Grant Williams in overtime. KD can guard him. They, he, then they can play small, go offensively based and use KD at the five there even against the heat Bam Adebayo is big but he's not he's not even taller than KD he's just he's just physical and he's not an offensive powerhouse he's more of a defensive powerhouse so if they're playing like the heat or the Celtics they they'll probably throw KD out there guarding guarding point guards might be harder for him than guarding some centers the thing is being honest put him on a five like yes it might be a like don't forget KD was a defensive all defensive team caliber player like he's been good on defense the last time we saw him he wasn't always like that but he developed into a pretty good defensive player now like it might be a mismatch for him on defense but on offense he should be able to kill every single big man that's on him and so you might i mean i mean it's going to be tough specifically there's a couple that can probably stay with him, like Anthony Davis and Bam Adebayo. But other than that, obviously, if he's matched up on a slow guy like Brooke Lopez, of course. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see, like, matchup to matchup, how Steve Nash decides to, to, to run. Just, uh, do you think that KD's a good enough defender that he will be put on the best player on the court? I, I think he's their best perimeter defender right now. Like, when you look at their starting lineup, who, like, if we're playing somebody like, uh, who has, a, if we're playing somebody like the Blazers, who's guarding Dame? Not Kyrie, probably not Karras, probably KD, to be honest. I, I, I would rather, because Kyrie's gonna, they're just gonna trade buckets. Like, Kyrie's not stopping anybody. But Kevin Durant could very well give, Damian Lillard problems, especially since he likes to pull up from 50. Like Kevin Durant's length and wingspan might deter him from doing that because KD can close out way quicker than anyone else. So I don't know. I, I feel like it'll be it'll be a, a, a give and take basis when it comes to that sort of thing. But since we are talking about perimeter defenders, a trade did was being speculated upon. When it and comes to I'm, the Nets. I'm not going to lie. This is my favorite trade idea that I've ever seen with the Nets. 
ever. So it was reported that the Nets are interested in Drew Holiday. Um, they've said that players and picks have been discussed, and they've heard that the Nets offer. I'm reading this based on what was reported by Brandon Robinson, a.k.a. Scoop B. So shout out to him. Um, they said the Nets have offered Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, Jean-Anne Musa, and a protected future first. But nothing can be done before the bubble ends and the trade window opens. So everyone's kind of just sitting in this sort of weird limbo right now. Now, when we analyze the trade, I'm going to be honest. I'm pulling the trigger if I'm the Nets. I'm look, fine look, with that. I don't, know, I don't know if you've seen the Matt Barnes podcast with, uh, with Stephen A. Jackson. All the that he does a lot. Yes. He gets players on it a lot. And... Um, I don't know if you've seen he asks who the most underrated player in the NBA is. I'd say about 75% of the players that are on there say Drew Holiday without coordinating it with each other. It's just known throughout the league that Drew Holiday is not appreciated at all. He's but not. he's he's um, he's very good on both sides of the floor. Like, he yeah, his be. efficiency can be down a little bit. And he's not like a sniper. But – as a third scorer and the person who will lock up their guard, completely lock up their best guard, that's very, something very valuable to have next to Kyrie. Yeah, and, and a lot – even KD himself said that he thinks Drew Holiday is the best perimeter guard defender in the NBA, which very well might be true. Like, a casual NBA fans, I can tell you right now, know nothing about Drew Holiday. They might know him just based on, like, oh, you know, he's a good offensive player. But you don't really, like, his defense for, you might think, if you're listening to this, because you're probably, like, a diehard NBA fan, that the best thing about Drew Holiday is his defense. I'm telling you now, casual NBA fans have no clue that Drew Holiday locks up. Like, no clue. He's never given respect on any of the all-NBA defensive teams ever. Like, it's it's just a foregone conclusion that Drew Holiday is going to be underrated. And so, I think that this deal is well worth it. The Nets would be rolling out a starting lineup of Kyrie, Drew Holiday, Karis LeVert, KD, DeAndre Jordan, I'm guessing. Unless they bought Karis off the bench and started Joe it's Harris. Like... <sighs> It's it's so tough because Karras is easily worthy of a starting lineup spot. But him at the three could honestly offset the defense that Drew Holiday brings to the table. And which is why it would I feel like it's a double edged sword because if you put him on the bench, you kinda make up for that miss that playmaker that you're missing in Spencer Dinwiddie. And now Person- you just replace well, him. Yeah, but you see personally I don't see the purpose in starting either Harris or Levert. If you bring both of them off the bench for firepower, I don't know why you wouldn't start Torian Prince personally and have KD at the three where he belongs. But is Torian Prince a four? I think he just I think he just played that out of necessity. Like I mean Prince Prince and KD at at the wings between the three and four is a lot better than KD and Joe Harris defensively. True. That's very true. Um, Joe Harris plays good defense. Don't get me wrong. He, he, he hustles, gets, gets gritty, but when he's playing a big forward, it's not going to be good for him. Well, the, all the talk surrounding the nets is, you know, we need this third star. 
And for me, I feel like Karras is that already. But this trade, if you do move Karras Levert to the bench, that would basically take away any possibility that he has of being that third star. And that third star would become Drew Holiday. Now, do you think that Karras's ceiling is higher than the floor that you get with Drew Holiday? Like, Drew Holiday's no. probably reached his peak. Like, Drew Holiday's no. probably not getting any better. Yes, that I agree with. But so, so no. do you think Karras' ceiling is better than Drew Holiday's floor? No. No. That's no, no. I, I kind of think it is. Um, Drew Holiday at this point, okay. So I'm I'm gonna compare him because this is the only player that comes to mind. Drew Holiday is a better version of Marcus Smart. Okay. Now, if you look at Marcus Smart's numbers historically, they're not good. Someone in 25 years will look at that and say. Like, why do people think this guy was, like, was good? His percentages were horrible. He couldn't really shoot threes. He didn't put up a lot of points or supporting stats. But every time he's in the game, it's it's a winning momentum. Drew Holiday is the same way. Yes, he's on the Pelicans, who are not a playoff team, but he's with a lot of young kids playing right now. If he has veterans around him that are superstars and focused on winning, he's a winner. He's You saw what he did to Damian Lillard, who's shown he's a winner. Drew Holiday can can do things that I don't think Karis LeVert will ever be able to do. I don't know if that's true. His offensive ceiling is higher, easily. That's not even a question. But at this point, the team needs defense. If if let's say we did sign Drew Holiday, don't like I'll get back to the ceiling question, but this just came to me on the fly. Don't you think we th- that the Nets would rese- resemble the the championship team Warriors? Like think about it. Like Kyrie is Steph, Drew Holiday is Clay, KD is KD, Torian Prince is a child's poor man, Draymond Green, and. DeAndre Jordan is Andrew Bogut, I guess. Like, or or um, who is their center? Who's their other center? Willie Cauley Stein, if you want to say like whoever their I can't remember. They didn't have Andrew Bogut for both chips. Who um, was, I mean, they had Javale McGee. Yes, there you go. There you go. I forgot about Javale. DeAndre Jordan's Javale McGee. Like the the resemblance between those two teams. Um, is, yes, but don't do not. Disrespect Don't Steph compare Curry like Steph that. to Kyrie. Oh my God! Do not Stop. disrespect Steph Curry like that. Stop. It's oh. just they're not comparable to me. They are because last time I, I think you're better remember, off comparing Tory and Prince to Draymond Green than Steph to Kyrie. You're not. You're trolling. You're trolling. It, Steph is not comparable to Kyrie. You're trolling. You're trolling. <laughs> so you think the gap between Draymond Green and Tory and Prince? <laughs> It's bigger than the gap between Steph Curry and Kyrie Irving. Uh, no. no. All right. I was about to say, let, no. that, that's the end of the podcast. We'll talk to you guys <laughs> another time because there's no way. But just in, in team makeup, it's pretty similar. It's and then, I suppose, you, then you have Joe Harris off the bench. I suppose. I just, I don't, I, I guess. I don't think there's a Clay Thompson. I guess Drew Holiday is what you're saying. Yes. Right. 
He's not as good of a shooter, obviously, but you could argue he's a better defender. It's close, yeah. So, like, what you lack in shooting, you make up for in defense, and there we go. We have a Warriors team that was dang near unbeatable and would have won another chip had KD not gotten injured. But, yeah, back to what I was saying. I think that Drew, that Karis Avert's ceiling could be worth more starting him than the floor you get with Drew Holiday. And, only, like, Karis could... I, I, I don't think so. I think his offensive ceiling is out of this world. And I think his defensive yes. ceiling is very, very high. Like, he could be mm-hmm. a very good two-way player. He has the intangibles. He has the, Look, the physical just, makeup. I don't... I don't think that Karis LeVert's offensive gap between him and Drew Holiday will make up for the defensive gap that Drew Holiday would bring. I mean, I don't even know why we're talking about them two when we're swapping Holiday for Dinwiddie. I know, but because if you if you bench Drew Holiday, you're I mean, if you bench, so it's Karras, more saying it's more saying was it is it better to bring LeVert off the bench or Dinwiddie off the bench? That that's basically what, yeah. the, what the main yeah, thing is. There you is. go. There you go. I mean, now that you have everyone back, Dinwiddie's clutch was great, but I don't know that you're going to rely on it as much anymore. You have two of the Um, most clutch players in the NBA. Personally, you know, I thought at the current moment that Dinwiddie's more valuable. I still will say that. Lavert's ceiling's higher by a lot. As he improves, that'll change. But as of today, I think Dinwiddie's more of the ready to win right now and bring them a chip player. So... Well, we we both think the Nets would take the deal. Would the Pelicans? Um. So I, I really don't know. I I feel like the future first might get them to do it. I feel like because because look at it this way. They will have two Jared Allens. They will have Dinwiddie to pick up Lonzo Ball's offensive slack. And then Lonzo Ball is a very, and, very good defender. And so, so is Dinwiddie. I so mean, if they play them together, they can guard both guards. And then you get Musa as a throw-in. And Musa will be a bench player for them. Yeah, obviously, because they have Zion. But it, it like, And they have Ingram also. So and, I, I don't. And they're getting a pick, correct? Yeah, protected future first. I personally don't see why why they wouldn't take it. You're not going to win right now. Um, and Drew Holiday is turning 30. So it really only makes sense to take to take that deal because you're getting you're getting Dinwiddie who is 26 and then you're going to get Jared Allen who is 22. So then you'll have two centers that are exactly the same. One of them will work out. And Dinwiddie is going to average 20 on that team. It's just fact if he plays enough. And it helps replace the shooting. They're going to lose because J.J. Redick is gone. So Karras is only one year old, one year younger than Spencer Dinwiddie? Yes. That blows my mind. I don't know why I just realized that just now. But that is insane. I didn't think so. it's not that insane when you really think about it. But just for me to find out now, I'm a little bit mind blown. I mean, he's had four NBA seasons. 
Yeah, you're right. Um, After playing fully at Michigan. But, but bottom line, we think that the Nets, it's a good trade for the Nets and the Pelicans. I very much so enjoy the trade. So we took it upon ourselves to uh, think up two more trades that we think would be good for the Nets. And we're not including Beal because neither of us want to give up both Dinwiddie and Lavert, And that's probably what it would take. If we're being honest, same thing for like beat. Zach Levine, stuff like that. We're not going to talk about. So it we're targeting two, maybe like a couple notches below all star level players. That couple players, a little, a couple years, over the top. couple players, a couple years past their prime. So no, not for me. Wait, yes, yours not is. For, no, it's not. Wait, yours is for B. Mine, mine is it. No, mine is a young man. I told on the Oh Bulls. yes, 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 yes. Well, yes. now that you guys probably know who it is, let me start. I, th- I I'm sorry. So, the the Nets have desperately been looking for a stretch big for some time, right? And the Bulls are are really not in the best place right now. That's so they could be willing. They could be willing to uh, move Lowry Markin in for the right price. And I believe the right price is Torian Prince, Rodion's Karooks, and two first-round picks. Torian now, Prince, Karooks, and two first-round picks for Laurie Markkinen. Now, personally, I think Markkinen adds a dynamic to the Nets team that would put them way over the top offensively. He's not the best defender, but he won't be playing at that point in the game. They're, they're going to sit him in defensive situations. But his offensive capability, and if they have to, they can use him as a five on offense. And Torrey and Prince is expendable. We saw what he can do this year. Karooks hasn't really gotten the opportunity, even with KD and Kyrie out for a lot of this year. So imagine with them playing, he's not going to get much minutes at all. And then the first round picks are are really not important with the team they're going to have winning right now. Because it's going to be next year's first round pick. And I, I like that deal. I just don't know years. if the Bulls would be willing to part ways with Markkinen because that kind of re like that resets them. Because right, um, now- but but does it reset them? Because if you look at if you look at the roster that the Bulls have, Markkinen is important, but he's also replaceable. They've got Colby White. Wendell Carter, Laurie, and Zach Levine, right? And Otto Porter. And Otto Porter. If you take Laurie out of that, and you, like, Zach Levine doesn't want to stay. So let's say you trade Zach Levine and Laurie Markkinen. Probably your two best players. That leaves you restarted. You're just rebuilding a rebuilt team. A failed rebuild. So I don't know if they would do it. Is the trade a good trade for the Nets? 100%. I would take that in a heartbeat. And on top of that... The Bulls have the fourth pick in the draft. They do indeed. They do indeed. So if they move, they get the depth of Kuruks, who they can use, and Tori and Prince, who can start. They still have the fourth pick in the draft, which you, can be do you think a the lot Warriors, of different things. Do you think the Warriors would give the Bulls the first pick for Zach Levine? They have the second pick. Do you think they'd give him the second pick for Zach Levine? Do you think the Bulls would take the second pick for Zach Levine? 
I think mm, uh, this is a, oh yeah the Timberwolves have the first pick. My bad. Well, they well they evaluate Lamelo Ball versus Zach Levine in a positive way. I mean, for the Bulls, I think they would take it. I think they. I don't know if the Warriors would take it because then you just have a lot of guards. It's, Zach Levine is D'Lo two Like what? They both don't play defense. They both are great offensively. Where is he slotting in? Like, and you still have Wiggins. <laughs> so, unless they traded Wiggins with the pick. Either way, I don't know. I just came up with it and just threw it out there. But I don't think it would be that great for either team. But my trade, on the other hand, we're going to go down to uh, the old Cleveland Steamer. And uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers trade Spencer Dinwiddie, Torian Prince, Jared Allen and Lance Thomas and the first a future first round pick. So the Nets would trade Dinwiddie Prince, Allen, Lance Thomas and a future first for Kevin Love. Now, like I said, I know that the player I'm trading for is a couple years out of his prime, but Kevin Love is still a great offensive rebounder wasting away on the Cavs. He the, the the Cavs probably wouldn't want much for him because they they know they're not doing anything with him. He has an insane contract, so they would want to get that off the books anyway. Get Kevin Love, make your starting lineup. Uh, Kyrie, Karras, KD, Kevin Love, DeAndre Jordan. You have four players all capable of stretching the floor and DeAndre Jordan as your rim protector. And Kevin Love, like I said, is a great rebounder alongside DeAndre Jordan. That is, I think, a great okay. deal for the Nets. Now, now. I ask you, do you think Kevin Love had anything to do with Kyrie wanting to leave? Um, I don't. I think Kyrie wanted to leave because of Braun. Do, do you not think so, that? I mean, I, I think it was mainly LeBron, but I, I, I don't think he wants anyone on that team on his team. I mean, they had Iman Shumpert. <laughs> yeah, I guess. It's just that I, I, I think you that Kevin Love is a realistic option for them. I just between him and DeAndre Jordan, does that hurt the defense too much? I think DeAndre Jordan's a good perimeter defender. I mean, interior defender, oh, perimeter defender. Imagine DeAndre Jordan <laughs> out, out on the perimeter. No, nah, like I think he's a good rim protector. I know Kevin Love isn't, but Kevin Love's a great rebounder. So there, you, you what you lack in that, and the Nets. He's a true four. When's the last time the Nets had a true power forward? They always put Spencer, I mean, they always put Torian Prince, uh, Rodion's Kuruks, like people that should be playing the three. They put them at the four. Kevin Love is a true four, a pure four, sharp shoot, a sharp shooting stretch big that they could use. And he's not just good at, he's not just good at shooting. He's a great offensive threat out alongside KD Kyrie and Karras. So I think that would be a great trade. I think both teams would take it because, like I said, the Cavs would want to unload the Kevin Love contract anyway. So there yeah, you go. it's just the the thing with the the Kevin Love deal is that gives the Nets little to no flexibility to re-sign Joe Harris. Are you willing to lose Joe Harris at the expense of getting Kevin Love? Listen, man. At the end of the day. Is Joe Harris that my much deal, better than Jamal Crawford? My deal Crawford? is it leaves them at the same exact financial state because Markin is making $5 million. So 
it's it's not that is won't change anything. Really. Joe Harris that much better than Jamal Crawford. I I don't know. Oh come on! I don't know, bro. God, I don't just, know. That is just ridiculous. Listen, the Warriors got it done with Sean Livingston as their best defense, best bench <sighs> player, bro. You think players aren't gonna want to sign vet mints to come play for the Nets? Jamal Crawford already said he wants to stay with the okay, team. Okay, okay, he can. Okay, but Joe Harris is a lot better. Based on what Jamal Crawford's a sharpshooter, just like no, and it's he's gonna say, not. It, Jamal Crawford is not a sharpshooter. No, he's not You're a sharpshooter. You're insane, bro. He's a shooter. Jamal he's Crawford not a is a shooter. <laughs> yes, he is, bro. Jamal Crawford is a better playmaker than Joe Harris. He has never shot forty percent from three in his career, except for two thousand and two. He's had insane True. volume for yeah, a lot of the years. Take the volume away. He might get more efficient. He might also get better looks. Who knows? He's never shot 45% from the field except <laughs> 2002. Okay, that's because he was a chuck before. Like I said, volume skewed his numbers. But Joe now- Harris shot 47% from three last year. What did he shoot this year? 42 Hey, that looks like regression and the year before, to me. Forty-two. That looks like regression to me. All I'm With saying. With KD there, he'll go right back up to forty-seven. Don't all you worry. I'm saying is, I love Joe Harris. Don't make it seem like I no, don't. No, 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 no. After what you just said, you know, Joe Harris. If you listen to this podcast, I'm sorry that he's <laughs> Joe Harris. If you like listen it. to this podcast, come on the podcast and tell me why you're better than Jamal Crawford. How about? But. It should be a no-brainer then, but okay. All I'm saying is, like I said, I don't – I like Joe Harris. I'm a Joe Harris fan, all reliable. But is Kevin Love worth the the slight drop from Joe Harris to Jamal Crawford? I think he is. I think he is. And so I would pull that – I would pull the trigger on that trade. Obviously, it doesn't seem like you would, but I feel I like... would definitely not if it's at the expense of losing Joe Harris because then you're adding. So Joe you would Harris rather keep Joe Harris than Kevin Love? Essentially, yes, because you're insane. Joe ha- Look, okay, look at what the Miami Heat team has right now. For example, do you know how valuable Hero and Robinson are to them? And do you know why? Because they shoot and they shoot it well and they shoot it when it matters. Do you know? What Joe Harris does for the Nets, just that. They are also Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero are also young players. Jerky Joe. What more do you want? Okay, nice. But you're on basketball reference, clearly. Yes, sir. And Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero are also valuable because they are younger players with much more potential. Joe Harris is at his offensive peak. He's not getting any better. If you had to guess how old Duncan Robinson is, what would you say? 24. He's 25. I was so close. I was so close. Yeah, he, he's he's not as as young as you think. Do we consider Karras as young? It's it's. I, I don't. Yes or no? Think. Yes, you do. Come on. No, I think he has room to grow. But you consider Karras as a young player? There's different styles of players. Robinson. That's not what I asked you. I Karras said, do you consider Karras Levert a young player? No. 
Yes, you do. Oh my! No, you're lying. You definitely can. I don't. Yes, you do. You 100 percent do. And if you consider Karis LeVert a young player, you consider Duncan Robinson a young player. Do you consider Bradley Beal a young player? Yes. <laughs> no, you don't. Yes, Come I on. do. How old is Bradley Beal? Game. How old is Bradley Beal? Exactly. He's a young him. player, bro. Come on. Come on. You're playing games right now. You don't consider Bradley Beal a young player. Yes, I do. And the only reason that people don't is because he you feels like he's been in the league for a long time. And he just started getting like super, super duper popular now. But he's still 26. That's still young. This conversation will get nowhere. So let's say, <laughs> let's hope the Nets trade for Drew Holiday and move on. Okay, and so the last thing we're going to talk about is the NBA playoffs. We're down to four teams. I don't think it would be fair to not mention the incredible choke artists that are the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, all right, let's get through this quickly because Najee is going to talk for 30 minutes about how much he hates the Clippers and all their fans are the worst and they are asking for it and blah, I mean, blah, blah. I mean, you're Bottom not line, wrong. The Clippers look like they did not want to play. They had no heart at all. And Doc Rivers needs to lose his job. I'm sorry. He has blown multiple 3-1 leads. His teams show no motive to win. He essentially ruined Lob City in my eyes because they looked the same way that this Clippers looked. And it's him. It's something wrong with him. I don't know if anyone else sees it besides me. Doc Rivers does not get a motivating team to play on that court. Doc Rivers has blown the most 3-1 leads of any coach ever. And he's lost. he's blown a 3-1 lead in each of the past three decades. It's that like you watch the Heat play, you watch the Celtics play, and there is so much heart, and that you watch the Raptors play. It, and it's so much heart on the floor when they're playing. And then I switched to a Clippers game. Jamal Murray's playing his life out. So is Nikola Jokic. The Clippers are jogging up and down the court, chucking threes, doing playing like they don't care at all. I, I really I don't understand. And so I'm not going to go on and on about the Clippers. You know how I feel about them. So we're left with four teams. Nuggets versus Lakers, Western Conference Finals. Heat versus Celtics, Eastern Conference Finals. Nuggets versus Lakers hasn't started yet. Heat are up on the Celtics 1-0. The next game is tonight. What do you? How do you see that series going, Hunter? Um, what series did you just say? The, the Celtics and Heat. Okay. I think that the series will go seven. I think the Heat might win game two and get out to a 2-0 lead, similar to how the Raptors came back. I think we're going to come back. I think Hayward's going to come back. When Hayward comes back, the Heat are going to have problems. There will be no Robert Williams. There will be no Grant Williams. There will be no Daniel Dice. It will be five people who can all shoot, five people who can all run, five people who can dunk, five people who can all defend. You're going to have problems unless Spolstra prepares them for that lineup. Wait, Gordon Hayward and defends? Since when? You yeah. think he can't guard Tyler Harrow? <laughs> Come on. Come on. It's, I guess he, Harrow makes good shots, but he's not saucing up Gordon Hayward. Come on. So you say Celtics in seven? I think the Celtics will win, yes, in seven. That's hard because Jimmy Butler, to me, is going to have a hard time losing a game seven. I picked Lakers and Celtics to begin with my entire bracket to get to the finals. So I can't go back now. I'm also going to say Celtics in seven. 
in the Western Conference, Lakers, Nuggets. I think the Nuggets are going to come in super hungry. And I think the Lakers are going to win in six. I think it's going to go Nuggets, yeah, Lakers, I Nuggets, said, Lakers. I said six also. And I do think the Nuggets take game one. I, we've lost uh, – the Lakers have lost every single game one that we've played in the playoffs. I think if we go up 3-1, we might as well pack our bags. So I think that it's going to go <laughs> – I think it's going to go – Two to two, going into game, going into game five, and then the Lakers win the next two. And so yeah, we get a Lakers Celtics final. I personally believe that the Nuggets win game one. Uh, The Lakers think that they know how to answer, but they don't. And then the Nuggets win game two, and then uh, the Lakers finally pull one out and win game three, and then the Nuggets win game four and go up three one, and then the Lakers win three straight games. And the Nuggets blow the lead that they won twice. Now, if that happens, I'll give you $31 because that is a very <laughs> bold prediction. Oh, no, I'll give you $13 because that is a no, very. No, come on. <laughs> come on. Don't be stingy. That is a Don't very bold prediction. But if that happens, then you're a guru. We, that sets us up for a Lakers-Celtics final. I have Lakers in six. You probably have Celtics in seven. And there we have the COVID season of the NBA. And with that, we're going to head out. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hoopball Nets podcast. It feels great to get back behind the mic. And we're going to have another episode coming soon. We hope you guys enjoyed. Make sure to subscribe to the Hoopball Nets podcast on Apple, iTunes, and everywhere you listen to podcasts such as Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere. Follow us on Twitter at HoopBallNets. You can follow us individually. Our Twitter handles are going to be in the description of the podcast, so make sure you head on over there. Go to Manscaped.com. Purchase the Lawnmower 3.0 or the Perfect Package 3.0. We'll let you know when we get ours and how uh, we like it, but use code HoopBall20 for 20% off and free shipping. And uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We'll see you all next time. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.